0: listening to having a chat on cjru in toronto the show where we take interesting people with interesting tastes in music and talk to them about the music that they love Alright, so in my opinion, there are very few musicians out there who, through their songwriting and their performance and their singing, convey as much raw power and emotion as Deanna Petkoff. For as long as I've known her, her music has been dominating the Toronto music scene and turning many heads in the process. It combines her beautiful lyrics with her powerful melodies, and we're very excited to have her here to chat with us about her favourite music. This is Having a Chat. um let's just uh let's just kick things off uh let's get the ball rolling so i want to start with um with a tune of yours that is like one of it's probably my favorite song of yours um it's terribly true and um this is a song that you know i i love it because of its it, it just its dynamics the your the way your voice sounds in the chorus the also the sort of universality of the tune, um, where like I can play this at a family function, but I can also play this like in the car while I'm driving. Um, but maybe you could just tell us a little bit about the song. Like what, what was the, just sort of in very, in a very broad scope, like what, what was the inspiration behind it? Uh, you know, what, what, what are you trying to convey with this tune? Uh,
1: well, I, I wrote this song, uh, in 2018, I think. Right. um, 2017 doesn't matter uh and um it actually kind of stemmed from another song that i wrote that i wasn't really doing anything with and i really loved the chord progression and i loved like the vibe of the song um and so i just kind of like took pieces of that song and made this new one um and i was like kind of like in a relationship with someone that i was just like not feeling um and it wasn't right and i wanted to convey that but i also like like i loved the person i just didn't love being in a relationship with them so mm-hmm. i was like i don't love you that way but you're great right. <laughs> um <laughs> so that's kind of why i wrote that song and i feel like i didn't want there to like i i wanted to be the antagonist of the song cuz i felt like shit about it right. but i also wanted it to be something that like i know that other people get into situations like that all the time where it's just not what they thought it was going to be.
0: Right,
1: But, you know, yeah. Well, so
0: I mean, I'm interested in this idea that you like you write yourself in as the antagonist like that, Mm -hmm. like how, I mean, and, and, and you write a lot of songs. I mean, clearly this being an example of, you know, personal things, Yeah. like how, how do you sort of deal with sort of opening yourself up, in such a personal way um, to just anyone who's listening. I mean, anyone can sort of listen to one of these songs and sort of, mm-hmm. you know, piece through it and sort of wonder what you're saying. So, how do you how do you sort of deal with that? Just just the 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 degree to which you open yourself up personally in your music.
1: Um, I mean, I think the reason that I do that is because like those are the songs that I connect with the most when I hear other artists doing that. And I'm always when I'm listening to music. I'm always listening for something, uh, interesting lyrically. That's like, Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting thing to say. Like, why would you say that? (laughs) What does that mean? Um, so with most of my songs, I try to, I try to express exactly what I'm feeling, but in a way that's, um, palatable, if that makes sense. So, so I spend a lot of time on my lyrics way more than I do on the music of, the songs I'm writing, and usually, right. like, I'll write like many versions of a song before it's in its entirety, it's right. done. Um, and it's mostly just me trying to figure out what it is I'm trying to say, right? So I can go into a song thinking I'm writing it about one thing, and then as I'm writing, I'm like, oh shit, actually, I think I feel this, uh, so I'm gonna say that instead. Right. And then I'm like, no, you know what, that's a more interesting thing, I'm gonna focus on that thing. And then write it about that, and then it, it, right. it totally morphs and changes into what I'm actually trying to say. Right. And I've had a lot of, um, like, emotional realizations through writing stuff because right. it's almost like a it's – like, it's like journaling, right. but to music, kind of.
0: Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. I, we, we, we were taught – we had Max Becker from Swimmers on the show, and he was talking about um, this idea of – or at least I think it was him – it may, it may Honestly, it may have been someone else, but I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> yeah. Max Becker. But we, um, we were talking about this idea of like how you want to write songs that are personal, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want them to be about you. Like you want yeah. to, there's sort of like a spectrum of like a song can be just like all about you and you're the, you're, the song is you mm-hmm. um, versus like you can be writing about like how you feel, but it leaves mm-hmm. the door open to people sort of putting themselves in the Totally. Top. So yeah. where do you view yourself along that spectrum?
1: Um, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of what I mean by trying to make it palatable. Like, I don't right. want to say, like... I don't want to really outline a very specific situation that just happened to me and to be like, I want right. to tell everyone that this person sucks so much. Like, it's right. not like that. It's kind of like, here's this feeling that I feel and the imagery that comes to me within that. Like, yeah. when I'm writing... Sometimes the things, because, like, for me, it's like a chorus is like, this is the feeling. And then the verses are like, here are the supporting arguments to that feeling. Right, Do you know what okay. I mean? Yeah, so yeah. the verses are not always necessarily things that have specifically happened to me. Mm-hmm. They're just like, I feel like this would happen. Right. Um, like, in one of my songs, I like talk about like walking through someone's neighborhood and feeling like really awkward. But the fact that I could see them around any corner, right. I've never actually done that. That's never happened to me. But the feeling of that, I feel yeah. like you can understand what that feels like. For and sure, that's sure. how I felt just like walking through my life. So yeah. it's kind of like that's a nice image. It works for that song, but it's not something that necessarily happened to me. But I'm yeah. sure it's happened to someone <laughs> at some point. So someone will hear that and be like, oh, my God, that that happened to me
0: right, so, right. And, and you're right like that that's that's more of like a sort of a feeling than anything i mean it doesn't exactly. have to be in their neighborhood it can literally yeah. just be like you're in the same city it, it exactly. doesn't it doesn't have to be so or so specific
1: even in a city that they have been in yes. that you think of them as being in that city and then you're right. like oh my god they could be here but you know that they're not right. so it's right. like yeah
0: all right well i love that all right well this is terribly <laughs> true by deanna petkoff on cjru no heard terribly true by Deanna Petkoff we are here having a chat with Deanna Petkoff and uh, Deanna before we get into your uh, into your song choices uh, as we like to do on this show we're gonna go through a sort of lightning round of questions mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know as I always say don't think too hard about them really just kind of the first thing that comes to mind and uh, and we'll see what you have to say uh, but the first one is uh, where'd you grow up
1: Grew up in Toronto
0: righty, and first concert
1: I saw Hilary Duff.
0: Really? Yeah. Was that like sort of? I mean, I I, I have not seen Hilary Duff, but she <laughs> was that in sort of the Lizzie McGuire era.
1: It was like just after that. It was when she was getting a little bit edgier. She did her Metamorphosis tour.
0: Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> and I went to that tour. Which I was so excited about, and I still love her so much. So I have no shame about the fact that that was my first concert. (laughs) I'm thrilled uh, I got to be in the same room as her. (laughs) My uh,
0: when I was uh, when I was a kid, my cousins made me watch Lizzie McGuire. I Mm. loved it, but of course I was was like you know, like an eight year old boy. I couldn't admit that I liked it, but uh, I
1: understand. She's amazing.
0: Yeah, she's fantastic. Um, First album you ever bought?
1: Oh. Probably, I was really into buying records like mm-hmm. from a young age. They're actually all right behind me. Right. Um, uh, and I think I bought like a hard day's night. Okay, I was like, I went and went to find the version that I wanted, which was right. the version from the movie, right?
2: Gotcha. Um, because they
1: had the instrumentals on there as well, which yeah, I liked true. a lot. So I went and searched it out and found it. Um, and I got an original from. 1964.
0: So, wow. Yeah. Oh, do you still have it? Yeah, I do. All right. Well, I hope, we, hope you're uh, keeping it safe. Oh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> and uh, guilty pleasure artist?
1: Uh, Justin Bieber. Really? I, really? I loved Purpose. I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, love everything he does. Right. But he he works with a great team of producers. Yeah. Uh, and writers. So... And Julia Michaels, who is, like, one of his, like, writers that he continues to work with, I think she's an incredible songwriter. Um, She's released um, two or three solo records, and they're all incredible. Um, But that's kind of what drew me to her was, like, his music. And so I really, I like his music a lot.
0: Is that something that, like, perhaps, and we're sort of taking a bit of a detour here, but is that something that you, like, perhaps maybe see yourself doing in the future is just sort of like writing music, like in addition to like your own stuff, also like, you know, writing songs for other people.
1: Yeah. I think it's like writing a pop song is a lot harder than it seems. And I think that like, it's, it's a huge challenge for, for everyone because it has to be like the most universal thing. Yeah and still mean something yeah. and still be catchy. And like, there's so many things that go into that. So right. I think it's an elusive concept of writing a good pop song. Right. So I would love to be on a, like a writing team and right. attempt to write a good pop songs. I, I think that would be so fun. And um, I always thought about myself, like doing that as a career, mm-hmm. but I also like singing. So right. there's, there's that, yeah. but, uh, hope you can but I both. Can, yeah, I hope so too.
0: Um, all right, and uh, Beatles or Stones? I feel like you may have already answered this one.
1: That's hard. Like, I will say Beatles, but I love the Stones also. And I feel like the Stones, I feel like I take more inspiration from them with my music than I do with the Beatles. Right. But I listen to the Beatles more than I listen to the Stones.
0: That's <laughs> important to note, I suppose. Um, and then last one. Um uh Liam or Noel? Liam. Okay. okay. Any particular reason?
1: Uh not really. Just yeah. I he's cuter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, perfect. Love that. Um all right, so the first song that you picked is one by the cure. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you like about this tune?
1: This is one of my favorite songs uh it was recorded in 1987 and it sounds like 1987 which i really like um i think uh, again like the cure is a band that i really take a lot of inspiration from because they're very emotional very whiny which i really like about them um and i like that they're writing uh super emotional stuff that's kind of um still a little bit punk, like, it has a little bit of an edge to it, right. um, and this song is, like, super sexual, but right. it's not, doesn't sound like it should be, so it's, like, very, like, wait, what did he just say? <laughs> Which I, I love moments like that, like I said before, so uh, that's why I chose this song, because I right. love
0: it. <laughs> well, so when you say, like, it's a little bit punk, like, what does that mean to you? Like, what is, what is it in this song that sort of gives it that little bit of, like, punk edge? Uh,
1: it's it's very much like, um, the attitude of the song, right? Like he's like, even just like the arrangement and everything about it, like feels, you know, like it is for all intents and purposes. It is still kind of like new wave, like right. pop a little bit, but the vibe and the edge that he gives to the song, right. um, it has a punk vibe to me. Like it just yeah. has a lot of attitude and a lot of like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going right. to say this anyway. Do right. you know what I mean? Right. Which yeah. I like about it.
0: No, I hear you. All right, mm-hmm. brilliant. Well, this is uh, Just Like Heaven by The Cure on CJRU. You just heard Just Like Heaven by The Cure. Uh, next up, we've got a tune, uh, You Can't Fire Me, I Quit by Taco Cat. Uh, Deanna, what can you tell us about Taco Cat? Uh,
1: Taco Cat, I chose this song because I love just going along the, the conversation about interesting lyrics. Um, I, I love the chorus of this song. It's a breakup song, but it also kind of talks about... Like a breakup as getting fired Which is like kind of funny Um, It also has like the punk edge That I was talking about before Like it's not a punk song but it could be
2: Right.
1: Um, And she uh, She says um, She says Maybe you should take me back So I can tell you that you're not breaking up with me I'm breaking up with you actually (laughs) Which is like I love that lyric And that's I don't know just that in itself just sold it for me when I heard the song the first time so it stayed in my rotation for years because I love I love that so much
0: so I mean it's funny like uh, this this phrase and and perhaps I'm getting a little bit too personal but this was something that my therapist used to describe the way I was I used to behave in relationships so Mm -hmm. like it's funny just when I that this is in fact about relationships um, that, you know, just cause it has that sort of weird personal resonance for me. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, what can you like, and again, I mean, I feel like we're, we keep kind of circling back to this. Like what can mm-hmm. you tell us about sort of trying to find subtlety in the way you talk about, like, I mean, mm-hmm. th- this is clearly somewhat metaphorical. I mean, obviously, a relationship is not employment um but what what can <laughs> oh, you consider it yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah that's true um but like what can you um what can you talk tell us about just finding subtlety like in, in writing personal lyrics whether that's through through metaphors or just through being deliberately very vague mm-hmm. um like how do you do that in your in your lyricism
1: um I think that there's something to be said for, um, thinking about not just yourself when you're writing. Mm -hmm. So for me, like I write a lot of songs about my friends, like the things that they're going through and I take on, um, like a personal pronoun so that like, it's more personal, even though it's nothing to do with me. Um, and that almost gives me a little bit more, like, I don't want to out them in their relationships so why Um, would i do that to someone that like i'm dating it's kind of like you know and as well like writing about really personal stuff it can cause issues and you really Mm -hmm. don't want that to happen so sometimes it's a decision of like that's a really personal thing to say maybe i'm gonna take that out right or like sometimes that's that's, there's a dance there a little bit um so it's uh you know but At the same time, people like to hear um, you say things that are really personal at the same time. So, you know, I think being subtle, like, there's a place for that in songwriting, absolutely. But also, there are specific choices that you make where you're like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to say this. Kind of like what I was saying about The Cure, like, it's like his vibe is like, I'm just going to say what's happening right now. Um And sometimes that works and sometimes it really doesn't. And sometimes it blows up in your face. Right. <laughs> so.
0: All righty. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully it doesn't blow up in your face too much. But uh, <laughs> Until then, this is uh, You Can't Fire Me, I Quit by Taco Cat on CJRU. You're impossible. you just heard You Can't Fire Me, I Quit by Taco Cat. Uh, If you're just joining us, we are here having a chat with Deanna Petkoff. And uh, Deanna, next up, we've got a tune by Sleater Kinney. Hurry on home. What do you like about Sleater Kinney?
1: Uh, Sleater Kinney has been around for a long time. They were part of the Riot Girl movement in the 90s, which is something that I hold close to my heart, obviously. Um, But they've come back and... Um, Carrie Brownstein has done a lot of stuff uh, in between like being in sleater and and being on Portlandia and like all the stuff that she's done. it's been incredible. Um, but it didn't like being a, an actor didn't water down how cool she is, which right. I really like. Um, so when this song came out, I guess last year, uh, and I heard it for the first time. I listened to it like 10 times in a row just walking around because it made me feel so cool. I, and it has so much attitude and it's so tough. Um, and also it was produced by um, St. Vincent. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it's just it sounds so good. Um, and all the choices that they made, like arrangement wise, production wise, are perfect in my opinion. So it's just kind of the perfect song.
0: Right. So what what do you think it is that sort of when when she went into the acting thing, like, why is it Mm. that you think that she didn't sort of become watered down by that? I mean, because that that happens to a lot of people, right? Yeah. But what what is it about the way she did it that you think sort of held her true to herself? I think
1: she made really intentional choices um, Mm. and really, like, thoughtful choices with what she did uh, and the pieces that she worked on, like portlandia is kind of a fringe show it's it's still cool uh so you know her being in a punk band and being taken seriously as a punk singer um you know that wasn't watered down by her being funny it just kind of gave her another dimension but i think also the fact that when she went back to doing music it wasn't like sorry i was a comedian like i'm still cool it was like no no i'm I've been cool the whole time. Yeah, I'm still doing yeah. the thing. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like she was so confident in all of her choices and everything mm-hmm. that she did as a person. And I feel like she's very much an original person that it, it, you just don't question her and, right. and what she's doing. Yeah. Um, so that was that's super inspiring to yeah, me. because sure. You know. Being that confident in who you are is hard to do. Yeah,
0: for sure. So you you mentioned um, that Riot Girl music is is very close to your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, I I love Riot Girl music. I when I was in the twelfth grade, we had um, I had this amazing English teacher who was um, who's like kind of on like the front like the cutting edge of like using games and video games to like teach English. That's cool. And we played this game called Gone Home. And, um, there's, it's like a really weird, like narrative video game. It's really, really interesting, but mm-hmm. it's, um, Riot Girl music played a huge role in it. Cool. Um, so, so that was kind of my introduction to it, but I'm, but I'm interested in sort of what Riot Girl bands you look up to and sort of when you say that they're sort of close to your heart, what inspiration do you draw from that genre, that movement and that sort of time in the nineties? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Well, I mean, obviously Kathleen Hannah is is at the front line of that Mm because she, um, in in all the bands that she's been in, she's just such an outspoken, like brave person and she's so tough. And um, Mm -hmm. I think when I was, uh, when I was in my like early teens, I went to. Um, girls rock camp which is in Toronto
3: uh,
1: and all the volunteers that worked there they just played that music right just in the background and i was like what is this like this is amazing like i i had really listened to a lot of like classic rock and like a lot of that made up my vocabulary for music right. at that point And i was like 14 at this time so it's mostly just stuff that my parents were listening to right plus like guitar heroes so you know what i mean like it's that's all i really had access to at that point point. and then when i went there and i realized like the main part of their message was like women can do anything essentially. Right. And so I was listening to all this like really heavy music that all these women made and they were so angry about everything. And I was like, you know what? I'm also angry. Right. I didn't realize that, but I am. Yeah. Here we go. And then it was perfect for me, like as 14, 15, 16, like in all of that angst yeah. then to have like a little bit of perspective as well for like things that I actually was feeling like, you know, like being hypersexualized or like any of that right. and especially like uh the first band i was in like we were all women and like we were playing in bars when we were really young so we got exposed to that really early right. and like we were like 15 and we were playing at the silver dollar and like these like 30 year old men were like hitting on us and like right. it was just like a lot to deal with really early right. so i think listening to that music i was like i was like no no i'm tough I yeah. can handle this, yeah. like, and I'm angry at you for doing that to me. But also, I'm, you know, I can do it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Well, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you brought up uh, sort of your, your earlier band because that, that Girls Rock Camp. That's where you met Pins mm-hmm. and Needles, right? Yeah. Um. So, and and it's funny because we we had um, we had uh, Hannah like Moonali on the show, mm-hmm. and she and we were talking about this how like there was a time in the sort of Toronto scene when when you were and I were in high school where like there was it, it was so male dominated yeah um and we were talking about sort of how as that's starting to change it sort of grows exponentially and there's like this huge ripple effect yeah and how you know like there's there's girls who are like like young young girls going to um like the beaches tour like with their like earmuffs on like yeah and it's and it's so cool just to think about like how that's gonna ripple out Mm -hmm. um so like maybe like could you share with us perhaps some like kind of cool moments where you felt like you know like you guys had made an impact um Mm -hmm. you know without sort of I don't I don't want to put you in a position where you feel like you're tooting your own horn. But um, (laughs) but but I remember just Hannah was saying that you guys were were a real sort of inspiration for her um, back in those uh, back in those high school days. So,
1: yeah, well, it's funny because we really I think we experienced um, a lot of that like early rejection for just being women. Like a lot of people Mm -hmm. didn't give our band a chance, which was hard and an important lesson for us and like we were like we would try to get on the bills for a show and and like they'd be like well we actually already have a woman in one of the bands so we can't have you play and so after that like you know we we started to throw our own shows and we started to do that a little bit and the majority of the people that came were women Mm -hmm. and they were all like they were speaking to us and they were saying like thanks for, like, putting on this show. Like, I feel, like, good about coming here. And it was kind of like, you know, we wanted to give, like, them a space to be, but also we just wanted to play. So (laughs) so it kind of worked out in that way. But it really kind of hit me. Like, we played our final show, I guess January of 2018. Right. I think. Uh, And um, the amount of women that, came up to me and were talking to me and, and we, we were in that band for six years. So, um, you know, a lot of these girls were my age, but they were like, Hey, like I came to see you when I was in grade nine and like, you know, it was so cool to see women. And like, I started playing guitar and I started doing all this stuff and like, you know, so like girls that are in bands that saw us and like realized it was a thing you could just do. Yeah. Um, was really cool to hear and and really made me feel good about what we did and and also like how often we got shot down and like Mm -hmm. all the shit that we like fought for and we would like write manifestos and like send (laughs) them to people that were planning shows and we were like here's why you are wrong (laughs) like we've had we had so many like phone calls and like we wrote Emails and we did all this stuff after we were Rejected from all this stuff being like you don't have To like our band that's all cool but like To write us off because You know you already have a woman playing your Show is not a good enough reason So I really hope that Some of that and some of that like Quote unquote protesting That we did uh, Made a difference and made people think about it Yeah Um. So I that's kind of what I hope for that And I've heard good things from yeah. people well. that liked my band so there you go oh <laughs> well,
0: i certainly have as well um <sighs> but uh, anyway this is this is hurry on home by sleeter kinney i'm cjru just heard uh, Hurry on Home by Sleater Kenny on CJRU Uh, next up we've got a tune called The Right Side of My Neck by Faye Webster Deanna what can you tell us about this tune?
1: Um, So Faye Webster uh, is she's not really a new artist she's been recording for like 10 years but this record came out um, I guess last year and I love every single song on this record it's perfect and beautiful Um, she was called Alternative country, which I don't think is right, uh, right, and she doesn't think is right, but other people think it's right. Um, I think that they call her that because she has the um, lap steel. Is that what it's called? I don't right. know. It's like a slide like guitar. Slide. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
3: Gotcha.
1: Um, so, and she puts that on all of her songs because it's part of her band, which I think is really cool. Right. Um, but this song is really beautiful and really personal, um, and like the the lyric that. Like gets me is like literally the chorus and the entire ending of the song is just the right side of my neck still smells like you, right? And that's such a beautiful, yeah, very potent thing to say. Um, so that just that sold me on on her whole thing, and I love her. I think she's amazing. Right.
0: So I'm I'm interested in like genre categorization. um me like, too. I think it's like a such a weird thing, and, and it's funny. Like my my dad gives me so much shit for it because, like, you know, I'll I'll describe like he, he loves making fun of me for the term garage rock. Mm-hmm. So he'll you know if I say like yeah they're a garage rock band he'll be like oh do they talk about the tires and the bicycles in their garages? And it's it's just like yeah. really shitty dad jokes all yeah. around. Um, but and, and you know this is something that we you know, again, to reference my conversation with Max Becker, like, we, we talked about sort of having genres exist in, like, a sort of gray area that's hard mm-hmm. to define. Yeah. So I'm interested, like, what would you define her genre as um, if it's not alt-country, sort of, what is it? And then, and what would you define your own genre as?
1: Um, <laughs> genres for me are really tricky because there are so many subgenres, right. but people don't, if you say a subgenre they don't know what that is right so it's like you know I, like I, if i'm to give her like a generalization it would be like 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 singer songwriter like like indie singer songwriter like it's kind of because she's like a, it's like an acoustic vibe but it's also not it's like right. very chill yeah. but it's hard it's hard like yeah. and and that's I get the question like what is my genre all the time and I honestly don't know right because I can't say that I'm like a, a rock because right. my music is not heavy enough to be rock music in, right. in my opinion um but it's also if I say pop and then people listen to it that like pop music they're like this is not a pop right. song so what are you doing and I could say indie pop but what does that mean. Like yeah. I don't know what that means. Like that is all encompassing of so many people.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So it's it's funny because one of the my favorite bands and like I've always loved them is Paramore, and right. they Haley Williams loves to call herself um, like genre bending. Right. Which is very real for that band because each record they put out is completely different from the other record that they made right. because she has a lot of influences and they just make the record that feels good to them.
2: Yeah.
1: And I feel a little bit like that's the space that I live in too, where like, you know, it starts with the song and the vibe of that song. Right. And then when we're arranging the song, we're not like, well, we're a rock band, so it has to be heavy.
2: Right.
1: We're kind of like, what what suits this song? What serves the song? Like, yeah. What does this song feel like? Yeah. And I think a lot of my songs aren't necessarily cohesive with each other for that reason. but I don't mind that because they each kind of, I kind of view them all as like their own organisms that like live and breathe on their own. And I want to write the music that serves the song and what I'm saying. So if it's going to be a ballad, it's going to be a ballad. And it's not going to have like, you know, heavy guitars or anything really. Like, so it's, I don't know. It's really genres are really challenging, but I am so fascinated by all these subgenres, yeah, and how people fit themselves into them and the Mm -hmm. why we even have them to begin with and why Mm -hmm. we need to categorize everything
0: yeah no it's It's so interesting it seems kind of like when you kind of think about it like abstractly it does seem like very silly almost Mm -hmm. and how like you know i remember sort of there was maybe like around 2015 when like garage rock was like the thing there would be bands calling themselves garage rock that weren't even really garage rock
1: like or like surf rock
0: yeah exactly like it's just it's just so strange to me how you know like these terms can be so loaded Mm -hmm. and they can sort of you know people use them to sort of define almost like where they fit kind of culturally rather than sonically. Totally.
1: I, I really feel like genres are just cultural categories. Yeah. And also they also hold they hold so much now because it's like, you know, like in the sixties, like you could be like a mod or a rocker. Right. Or you could be a pop star. Right. But there was different fashion that went with each of them. Right. And we're kind of back there now where it's like if you're like if if you ask me what someone in a garage rock band looks like, I can probably tell you exactly what they're wearing, <laughs> and I would be right.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, and so it's kind of, we've created these, like, subcultures almost yeah. where it's like, no, I don't like that band. Like, why don't you like them? Like, because they don't sound like the other bands that I listen to. Yeah. And there are lots of bands that sound a lot alike, and they write really great songs. Yeah. But... You know, they're all in the same genre, so they all follow the same um, algorithm to create the song. And it's like, right. you know, you can you can love that. And that's amazing. And you should love that, because if that's what you vibe with, that's great. Right. But it's it's definitely cultural and it follows like a cultural movement. But there yeah. are so many of them. So right.
0: so I mean, I'm, I'm interested in this idea of like certain like fashion elements being tied to certain Mm -hmm. genres. So, I mean, like something that I think you and I have probably talked about before is um, this Facebook group that I'm a part of called the Parka Monkeys, um, (laughs) where it's like, you know, it's all just like Oasis and Britpop fans and they all just try and dress like Liam Gallagher. So you'll see all these kind of like 40 year old British dudes like squeezing in themselves into a parka and a bucket <laughs> hat and just taking mirror selfies like yeah being like yeah on my way to see like Richard Ashcroft in Sheffield tonight like you know
1: <laughs> it's it's totally and you know what it's a great look yeah so like go for it but like I'm I'm gonna say what it is, which yeah. is that you're just trying to be Liam Gallagher, or like you know what, like there there are so many versions of that. Yeah. Where when you when people are like walking down the street, you can you can pick the bands that they listen to. Oh, for sure. And like we used to play this game, like my bandmates and Pins and Needles and I, when we would go to shows, or when we were, like were playing shows and the bands that were playing with us, right. we would be like, okay, three bands that make up this band, right? Like, and we would pick based on what they're wearing, right? Because what you wear to a show there's a lot of thought that goes into that oh
0: for sure so you're making
1: a strategic choice no matter what yeah
0: yeah you Uh, gotta pick the outfit
1: yeah so we would always pick like what bands that band sounds like and dresses like and like what are the elements that make up this band which is a really fun game i recommend it to anyone yeah for sure
0: well, I mean, my my girlfriend and I like when we've been go- going for sort of like, you know, our daily walk just to mm. stay sane. Yeah. Um, that that is actually a game that we've been playing just sort of like, like I wonder what this person's <laughs> listening to, but yeah. on top of that, there's this amazing Instagram page that I just found recently mm-hmm. um, called Old People Who Dress Like the DMAs. Oh, and it's God. like I'm into Cuz the DMAs have like a very distinct style. It's sort mm-hmm. of like it's it's like big baggy clothing, like bucket hats, like very it's it's Brit pop influence, but like not entirely.
1: But like um, on the street.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But like there's just like there's like this whole page of just old people
1: yeah.
0: dressing like the DMAs, and I just think it's so fascinating.
1: Like really old people? Le- like senior like,
3: citizens?
0: Like yes. <laughs> not not like, you know, forty, uh, so old, okay. but like literally like seventy. Oh, I love it. And just you know like pushing their shopping carts or something but like wearing a bucket (laughs) hat and like a big billowy like overcoat or something and it's but
1: you know what that is also a bit of a vibe from the 40s and 50s like so i'm i'm i don't know if i'm derailing this but i'm super (laughs) very into fashion very into generational fashion and how it comes back and i think a lot about like specific pieces that stay relevant like the fact that the suit is still relevant right. i love that i can't yeah. believe it it's been around forever yeah. like and it hasn't really changed that much yeah. so fascinating um and also the fact that like m- minimal changes to the suit yeah make a huge difference
0: for sure like is, like like the type of pocket square or like the yeah, width of the, your tie exactly or the, or cut or the, of the your lapel collar. Yeah. or
1: like literally anything and it's 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 so interesting that it's so subtle, yeah. but with women's fashion, it's just all over the place. Right. <laughs> like it's just everything possible you can think of putting on your body. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's so I'm fascinated with that, but it's interesting how all of these different subcultures appropriate. And I don't mean that in a bad way, right. but appropriate all these different things from different eras. And right. sometimes people don't realize that they're doing that.
0: Yeah.
2: So sure. it's
1: so interesting.
0: Yeah. Alright, well take a bit of a detour on that but I nice. love it. That's 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 what we're going for. Um alrighty, but this is the right side of my neck by Faye Webster on C J R U. you just heard The Right Side of My Neck by Faye Webster. Uh, If you're just joining us, we are here having a chat with Deanna Petkoff. And uh, next up, you picked a tune by a fantastic local band, some friends of ours in Passport Radio. You picked Dirty Hands. Uh, What can you tell us about Passport Radio and what can you tell us about uh, about this tune?
1: I love Passport Radio. I've always loved their music since they joined our scene i guess Mm -hmm. um but this song in particular when this song came out i hadn't heard it live because i hadn't been to one of their shows in a while Mm -hmm. um not for a choice just because i'm busy um or i was busy (laughs) um uh but when this song came out i lost my shit because it's so good uh and i listen to it all the time like at least once a week if not more um, I think it's beautiful. I think it's exactly the kind of, like, honesty and emotional that I love. Uh, it's one of the songs that I wish I wrote that song. Yeah. Um, because just, oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. I get so excited about it. And I wrote to Alex, like, when it came out and I was like, I can't believe this. I'm obsessed with this song. It's so good. Um yeah. But the fact that like the fact that he says i'm only seeing you because i'm lonely
2: yeah
1: is like such a brave thing to say for sure but also that's so real like people feel that and do that that way and it's a it's it's kind of the it's kind of like what i was attempting to do with terribly true where it's like you're kind of making yourself the antagonist but you're also like but i i i like you yeah and i want to keep seeing you and i you know you're you're great but i can't feel this way
2: right
1: so it really drew me in with that um but i mean anyone should listen to all their music because it's so great
0: yeah i love their stuff I, i first came to know them um back when i was living in montreal yeah um i booked a show for them and they came out and, and stayed at my place. There was there was a there was a like maybe a year and a half long period where um, where I was booking shows in Montreal and, mm-hmm. and bands from Toronto would come and stay, yeah. um, stay with uh, with me and my roommate. And and that was sort of when I started to become really close with them. But they are they're such. I've always been so amazed by their songwriting. Yeah. Um. They're just they're so fantastic. And and Alex is such a. A gentle soul.
1: Yeah. Um and that comes through as well. Like yeah. and that's something that I love. Like I can hear his personality and his music and it makes me feel things. Right. Uh so I love that and it makes me really happy that I know them and that I'm you know I can see them when I want right. to. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. Alrighty, well, uh, this is Dirty Hands by Passport Radio on C J R U. just heard Dirty Hands by Passport Radio. Uh, Next up is our CanCon quota of the show. For those first-time listeners, uh, Canadian law requires that 30% of the content played on Canadian radio has to be Canadian. And uh, after all, this is a radio show. So uh, we've asked Deanna to pick a Canadian album for us, and we're going to listen to a few songs from that. Uh, Deanna, what have you got for us?
1: So I picked Anti-Socialites by Always, uh, which is one of my favorite records ever, uh, because it's fucking incredible start to finish. Um, I don't even know what to say about this record other than it really took me by surprise. I think the production is so... uh, I use the word intentional a lot, and what I mean by that is just that it feels really thought out, Um, like each choice was made specifically because it was the perfect fit for the song, and also it really captures them as a band, Um, so, and I honestly wasn't a huge fan of Always before this record. Really? Yeah, like I... I liked some of their stuff, but I really only right. knew like the hits that they had, which was cool, but not really necessarily my thing. But when this record came out, I was listening to it at my friend's house, and we listened to the whole thing, and we literally just sat and listened to it, which I don't, like I do that a lot by myself, but I don't really do that with other people, so it was right. really, because we would just like, things would happen, and we would all look at each other, like, oh, what, what <laughs> <Yeah>. was that, <laughs> like that's amazing. amazing. Um, so yeah, and like, There are the the songwriting on this record as well is out of this world. I think that they are incredible writers and I don't know if Molly writes all their songs by herself. I have no idea how their songwriting works. I'd love to know more. Uh, But um, yeah, she the the writing is is impeccable on every song.
0: All right, so it's interesting. I feel like I'm mentioning my parents a lot on uh on this show, but uh my mum has always been a massive fan of yours uh and a massive fan of Always and uh you know, she's by no means a music aficionado, but uh she always says that you remind her of Always and uh you know, for her that is uh a a, a compliment of the of the highest caliber. It
1: is a compliment also for me cuz I I love them a lot.
0: <laughs> right. So what is it about this record that makes you like it more than the uh than the previous one?
1: I feel like it was just it was almost like they they grew up a little bit, right. which I really appreciated being like you know like, I kind of wrote a first wave of songs for this this project, like, my project, and then, like, going into writing a second wave of songs, it was, like, I wanted it to be better, but I was, like, I like the songs I wrote. Like, how do you... Like, how, I know we're always improving, but, like, what does that even mean? Right. And then this record came out, and I was, like, oh, that's what that means. Like, it's just, like, a level up of what they were doing before. It still sounds like them. It's very original. Um you know you can hear influences in it but
2: right.
1: like I love a record where like you can't necessarily pull the influences like immediately and that's not your first thought because for me like I'm always I, I always like I said playing that game where I'm like what bands make up this band and with always with that record it's it's harder to say which I really like um, so it feels like they really took their time with it Um, you know And and all the songs are excellent. Like, there's no throwaway tracks on that record, in my opinion, which I love.
0: Right. So, I mean, I'm interested in this idea of, like, you you sort of have, like, your first crop of songs and your second crop of songs and sort of the the development Mm -hmm. and growth um, sort of as you progress with that. So I was wondering, maybe you could tell us like some things that you've kind of learnt uh, throughout the process, like things that you sort of learnt maybe in like one crop of songs that you applied to the next, and sort of how you've been able to use that in your uh, in your solo project.
1: Um, songwriting wise, I feel like I've always worried about them being really poetic. Like I want I want I want people to listen to them and be like, you know, like to listen to the lyrics and like really feel something from them. Right. And I feel like before, when I was starting to write for this project, like I wanted it to be like creative and like feminine. And I say that in terms of like, I, I really wanted it to appeal to women. And I thought about that a lot when I was writing. Um, and as I've, Continue to write, and I've my writing. I think has gotten better, and I hope it's gotten better. Uh, I, I'm thinking less about that, and less less about who I want to hear it, and just more about the nebulous feelings that surround each song. Um, and also, I think I'm not thinking about the songs I'm writing as what I, when I put it out, what are people going to think? I'm sort of thinking of like this song as its own entity. What does it have to say? And what is what if I'm to narrow this down to one thing? Like, what is the message of this song? Um, And there are like songs that I've written where I'm like, you know what? I actually can't tell what I'm trying to say here. This is not a good song. Like, I can't I I can't discern like what the message of this is, and therefore I don't like it. Um, So for me, I think it's like putting more um, expectations on what I want out of the song. And um, less about what I want people to hear and what I want their reaction to be. Right. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Well, uh, this is uh, Antisocialites by Always on CJRU. you just heard three tracks off of Anti-Socialites by Always uh, and if you're just joining us we are here wrapping up this hour of having a chat with Deanna Petkoff uh, and to wrap up the show Deanna we're going to play another one of your tunes we're going to play uh, Stage Lights and uh, what what about this song sets it apart um, from, uh, from some of the other songs that you've released
1: from all my other songs in the way where it's I think more narrative than the other ones that I've written um I really wanted to tell a story that uh I it's it's like an experience that I could have had and I like almost had and then didn't so I wrote the song as like a what if this had happened kind of thing um and I think it's uh I don't know like it was it's none of this is anything that happened to me but it's still emotional Um, Which I was trying to convey what I would have felt, which is kind of a weird place to write from. Um, But it was an interesting challenge for me and I'm really happy that this song came out of it because it got to a feeling that I had already felt and was like a recurring feeling for me, which is kind of like the chorus of the song. But around a story that didn't happen.
0: Right. So, so, I mean, it's it's so surprising for me to hear that it didn't happen. Um, like one of the things that I love most about this song is is just the the sort of raw power and emotion that you convey. Um, so I'm, I'm and this may seem like kind of a silly question, um, but like how like what do you do? How do you sort of put yourself in that headspace where you're able to sort of take a situation that hasn't actually happened to you, but still make it seem and feel so emotional and personal? (laughs)
1: Uh, I think it's because, like, I felt... uh, I mean, like, they're all human feelings that we have felt before. And I kind of put... I projected feelings that I have felt onto a hypothetical situation. And I really put myself in the space where, um, imagining the scenarios of what could have happened and how that would make me feel. And when I was singing on this track in the studio, I talked about that with my bandmates. Um, and I was like, we, we ended up talking about that feeling of being abandoned and alone and, um... Whether or not, you know, it's this situation or anything else that happens with any other person, even romantically or not, like, there's a there's a level of, like, after something's over or when something's not working the way you thought it would, that you do feel like, I'm starting over, I'm alone now, like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not hard to tap into that feeling for me, and then to sing those words and be that person that experienced that, even if it's not real. Right it's still an emotional experience. So I kind of wanted to, I really wanted to get into that headspace when I was recording the song. And when I play it live, you know, I still sort of think about that feeling and um, in whatever way that it is relevant to me at the time. And it's kind of like that with all my songs. Like, you know, a lot of them are no longer relevant to me. They're not things that, like I write about situations that I no longer care about. Uh, And then I'm like, you know what? But I did feel an emotion during that time. What was that emotion? How do I get that back to perform it the way that it needs to be performed? And, you know, sometimes the story of that song changes as I go along. And, you know, because I don't write about specific situations necessarily, the emotions of the songs can change as I do and as things happen to me. Right.
0: Alrighty, well, Deanna, thank you so much for coming on. We uh, we really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, for those listening, you can check out Deanna Petkoff on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere where you stream music. And, uh, and don't forget to subscribe to having a chat wherever you get your podcasts. This is Stage Lights by Deanna Petkoff on CJRU.
3: Is your arm still broken from the night we climbed to heights I thought I'd never reach? Is your heart still taken from that brush of hope I injected from the depths of me